Happy Holidays! This is your path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. Absolutely no Grinches allowed. Forget what you think you know about church and Christmas. Gospel according to Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep at the right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you are you you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to eat, something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, and gave you food, or thirsty, and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger, and welcomed you, or naked, and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick, or in prison, and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these, who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are cursed, depart from me into the eternal, eternal fire prepared for you, for the uh, devil uh, and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also, then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? 
Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to, to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, the righteous into eternal life. The true gospel of the Lord. Praise to the Lord. The word of the Lord. Okay, be seated, please. First things first. I had some dental work done last week. So I sound a little different now. I'm kind of getting used to this, and so bear with me. If you like, sound a little funnier, go whistle the message a little bit. So wake up with me, Ellen. Okay, you with me, right? Okay, it gets longer. Trust me, it gets much longer. Say good afternoon to you. Yeah, I don't have that energy. Come on with it. I want to hear some amens. Today is. <laughs> Today is Christ the King Sunday. It's the day we lift Christ. It's the day we lift Christ up as our Lord and Savior, our highest good and ultimate goal. Which is, what do we mean when we say Christ is the King? What is, what is, what is the King? What does the word King mean to you? There's Old King Cole, was a merry soul. That King Cole, Martin Luther King, Billy Jean King, the King of Pop. Elvis, the king of rock and roll, the king of soul, king creole, king Midas, the king of chorales, the king of queens, a man is a king of his own castle, lead on, O eternal king, O king eternal, the king of love, my shepherd is. When we think of a king, we think of someone who is on top of the world, or at least a country, someone with final say and authority. Usually this person is someone of great power, Charisma, person who plays the political cards just right in order to keep atop the popularity wave. Or, in the case of a cruel and forceful king, we see a ruler who cares little for other people or their options and acts only to ensure their own well-being, even to the point of oppressing their subjects. But Jesus was a different kind of king. He didn't rule with an iron fist or cater to the whims of popularity. He didn't wield control over nations or defeat massive empires. In fact, his kingdom would spread individual by individual, one person at a time. One leper out of ten who acknowledged the giver of the gift of healing. A widow's son raised to life. A woman freed from hemorrhaging. Little children grasped in the Savior's loving embrace. So it is with us. Christ has touched our lives, and we have come to know Christ as our King. We have experienced God's love and know the joys that come from following Jesus, our Savior and King. <clears throat> so we proclaim, Christ is the King. But I ask you, so what? What does that mean for our lives when we leave this place of worship? What does it matter on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday that Christ is the King? It's all well and good for us to proclaim Christ as King when we're here at church, among the ranks of the faithful. But what happens when we dare to proclaim Christ as the King in the company of people who may not agree? What happens when we dare to proclaim uh, that Christ is the King in the company of people who may not have ever heard about Christ, our King, or may not have experienced Christ Jesus in the same way we have? People on the outside of Christianity may say that Christ has little or nothing to do with their lives, but they couldn't be further from the truth. Christ wants to be king of their lives just as much, if not more so, than he wants to be king of our lives. We call the parable of the lost sheep. He just said to the disciples, what do you think? 
if a shepherd has hundreds has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that that, uh, that never went astray. So it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should be lost. Matthew chapter eighteen, verse twelve through fourteen. This just this just doesn't make any sense. Let's say I found a hundred one hundred one dollar bills sitting outside on the steps on a windy day. If one blew away, do you think I'd leave the other ninety nine sitting there so I could track down the last the last one? No, I'd grab up the stack and fit back as fast as I could, thankful that more didn't blow away. But not God. For God, the one that is lost becomes more important than the 99 that aren't lost. This is the nature of Christ, who we call King today. Jesus was willing to give of himself, even sacrificing his own life, that not one would be lost. What are we willing to sacrifice so that not even one will be lost? We live in a, a world filled with lost souls. And perhaps the most frightening thing is that many of these people don't know that they're lost. Many people, when questioned, will tell you that they believe in a God, but are entirely too busy to be burdened if you were to ask them to come to church with you. Oh, I belong to X church down the way, they would tell you. They couldn't tell you the last time they actually went to church. These are the people who are Christian, insofar as it suits them. If it will help me, sure, I'll let the church claim me on their annual report. They are the people that Jesus would call rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root and endure only for a while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Christianity is a private thing between me and God, they might, they might be, uh, be known to say. One can only guess as to the depth of their faith and pray that God would move in their hearts and lives. So, what we say to a person, what do you say to a person like this who says, Christ is the king, so what? Let me ask you a question. Is it harder to share your faith with someone you know or with a complete stranger? Most people answer that it's harder to share their faith with friends because it might be a touchy subject. After all, I don't want to make someone I care about uncomfortable. They might think I'm a weirdo or something. It's so much easier to put the bushel basket over, over our light of faith and let the light of Christ shine on the lamp sand on the, of our lives. It's easier to pretend that we didn't hear the off-color joke instead of sharing how uncomfortable it made us. It's easier to remain silent about our faith than feel like other people uh, than feel like other people are scrutinizing our lives, trying to find fault with the Christian, or feeling like they can't talk to us without getting a lecture in morality. It's easier to just skip church when company's in town instead of letting them know that. Worshiping God is important to us, and actually invite them to be your guest at church Sunday morning or afternoon. Are we embarrassed about claiming the God who loves us with an everlasting love? Have you ever had one of those dreams? One of those dreams where you're getting ready for the party of the year. It's the biggest thing, and everyone will be there, so you want to look your best. You spend hours getting ready, guys. You slick back your hair and comb your sideburns, put on your dad's best uh, aftershave. You're looking groovy. Girls, you spend a couple of hours picking out the right dress, and then after deliberating over 16 different pairs of shoes, you decide to change your dress anyway. Your hair is perfect, and you just had an expensive manicure. You're, you're looking smashing. You, might, uh, you get in your car, and you go to the party. Everything is working like clockwork. You arrive at the party fashionably late for the purpose of everyone there to see your triumphant entry. 
You look, you look through the window on the way to the door. Sure enough, everybody is there. Everyone who's somebody that is. You take one more look at yourself in the brass knocker on the door to make sure everything is okay. And then you turn, then you, you turn, you turn the doorknob, and the door opens. One by one, the heads turn, and one by one, the mouths drop open. The music that was grooving when you opened the door comes to a screeching halt. Everyone is speechless, and the crickets start to chirp even louder. Wow, you think to yourself, I must look better than I thought. You start to walk in, and everyone's eyes follow. You decide this view must be so great, you just take a peek yourself. You look down and see the same thing your mom saw when she gave birth to you. You're completely naked. There are many things in life that can make us uncomfortable. Being naked is obviously one of them. The Bible references to, uh, to many different people caught, who were caught naked. Adam and Eve were caught naked, even though they had never been naked before. They somehow knew it was wrong, and they went and hid themselves. It was an uncomfortable experience even back then. The word naked appears in the Bible 35 times. It is associated with shame. And some references in the Bible even refer to looking upon the nakedness as sexual intercourse. Whatever the case, nakedness is associated with shame and uncleanliness. There was a case of a streaker who got caught naked on the night the guards came to take Jesus away from the garden, from the garden of Gethsemane. There was a young man there, as mentioned in Mark chapter 14, verse 51. There was, however, a young man following along behind, clothed only in a linen nightshirt. When the mob tried to grab him, uh, when the mob tried to grab him, now verse 52 continues, he escaped, though his clothes were torn off in the process, so that he ran away completely naked. Now, some Bible scholars have argued that this could have been Mark himself, and he was embarrassed to admit the fact that he ran from the scene, and probably the, the part that convinced him uh, to leave out uh, a name the most was the fact that he ran away naked. Would you be willing to divulge this information if it was you who were caught running away naked? Isaiah is considered, according to uh, the SDA Bible commentary, to be the literary masterpiece of all Hebrew literature. He is definitely one of the most powerful and effective prophets. He is well known for his prophecies of the Messiah and his reference readily used by Handel when he was writing the Messiah. Hebrew calls him a nabi, a nabi which is the word they use for a true prophet. He's quoted by the New Testament over 90 times, more than any other prophet. One of the things that isn't too commonly known about Isaiah is the fact that he got caught walking around Jerusalem naked for three years. Not only was it surprising to, to me to find out that Isaiah walked around naked for three years, but the fact that God is the one who instructed him to do this. Now why would God ask Isaiah to do such a seemingly bizarre thing? What are we to learn from these accounts in the Bible of naked people? When God asked Isaiah to walk naked in the city for three years, it was, it was for a reason. God never does anything without a reason. Throughout history, God's people have come to be known as stubborn and hard-headed. In other words, we have a hard time listening to God and doing as he asks. So, there have been occasions where God had to do drastic things in, in order to get our attention. Isaiah, among other prophets, had prophesied the fall of Jerusalem. God's people thought that they didn't have to do anything to worry about because they had a covenant with God. They were invincible they thought. Isaiah predicted that they would be led out of Jerusalem naked and barefoot. Are you beginning to see the connection? Everyone had a, a, a reminder for three years of how Jerusalem would fall and how they would be led out in humility. Now, nowadays, if someone came to church every week naked, claiming that one week 
We would all be taken prisoners, stripped of our clothes, and taken to prison camp. I'm sure we'd all take heed and thank this nice person. And actually, we probably haven't committed. We try to forget about the whole incident as quickly as possible. This is the wonderful thing about God. He takes us where, takes us where we are and works from there. God has different ways of getting messages across to people today than he had back then, back in the time of Isaiah. Instead of having prophets throughout the lands, he has messengers. We are God's messengers. The job of spreading the good news of God's love and Jesus' second coming falls in our laps. There are far too many people who don't get the point that we are to witness for God in all that we do, wherever we go. People say that they can't witness. It's too difficult for them. and It makes them feel too uncomfortable. People's priorities are mixed up. Instead of having witnessing as a first priority in their work as a second job, they work, and they work, and there's little time for witnessing, and little thought of it. What business do we have being in a relationship with God if we aren't willing to witness for Him? After all, wasn't He willing to witness for us? Wasn't He willing to send His Son to die on our behalf? Why do we find it so difficult to share this wonderful news with people around us who need to hear it so badly. I'm sure Isaiah felt a little uncomfortable the first week or so. He started to walk around naked, just as we. If we start witnessing for the first time, we'll feel uncomfortable at first when we start. But as time progressed, Isaiah became accustomed to being naked, and we will become comfortable in witnessing. The way I see it, witnessing with all your clothes on is far easier than walking around naked for three years. Heard people say, I don't care what people think about me. What a statement. The book of Romans says, I am therefore not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, and to the extent we should not care what people think of us. But if we have the same attitude toward looking bad to others, it can be a dangerous thing. For I was hungry, and you wouldn't feed me. Thirsty, and you wouldn't give me anything to drink. A stranger, and you refused me hospitality. Naked, and you wouldn't clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And they will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or imprisoned and not help you? And I will answer, when you refuse to help the least of, my, the least of these my brothers, you were refusing help to me. Jesus then goes on to explain how those who refuse to help were called into judgment. But you see, it does matter what others think of us. And it does matter what we do for God. The question we have to continually ask ourselves is, am I doing my part in witnessing for God? Am I willing to get caught naked? Christ gave his life so that we may never be separated from God again. Jesus rose from the grave so that not even death can separate us from God's love. Through our baptism, we are put to death with Christ so that we don't need to be concerned with the trappings of this world or what other people will think of us if they find out how much Jesus means to us. We don't need to worry about our lives because God will take care of us. And besides, we're dead already, Paul tells us. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. But it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Our life is not our own, because Jesus lives in us. When Christ is king of our lives, we don't need to worry. Since God is busy providing for us or for our needs, we are free to be busy living for others. Free to invite others to meet the God who, who meets us in the world, in the word and sacrament. So we proclaim, Christ is King. Now what does that look like in your life? Let's highlight the seven faith practices of the church. 
different areas of our lives where our faith works to reveal God's light. Everybody with me still? What's up? Mm -hmm. Close. But not those seven. A little bit different. Here we go. Worship. Being an active part of the worshiping community is one way we exercise and strengthen our faith, witnessing to God's power in our lives. Study. As we seek to study God's word for our lives, we grow into God's own likeness. Pray. When we seek to increase our time spent in prayer, we grow our communication skills in talking to God and listening for God's voice in our lives. Serve. When we give our, of ourselves for the sake of our neighbor in need. We see Christ in those we serve. And we are blessed in our serving. Give. We give of our resources, not so that the church can cover its expenses, but so that we are reminded that all that we have is a gift from our loving God. Encourage. We are Christ's hands and feet in this world when we support and encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow members of the body of Christ. Invite. Just as we have been invited to experience God's life-changing power, we too invite others to come and see the God who meets us in word and sacrament. Our job is to invite and trust that the Holy Spirit will do the rest. So as we celebrate this Christ the King Sunday, the invitation to you is to answer the question, So what? How is Christ the King in your life? How is your life different because God has laid claim on your life? How can you improve your relationship with King Jesus, striving to love him with all your heart and soul and mind and strength? Are you willing to be caught naked? Are you willing to be caught naked? Amen. It is time for everybody's favorite part of the service. That's right, the announcements. these quickly because we're running a little bit late. So I'm going to go quickly as I can, okay? Here we go. Pray at DallasULC.com. Pretty simple here, folks. Pray at DallasULC.com. If you have a prayer request, it's an email address you're going to send it to. You can also go to DallasULC.com, the website, and click on prayer request if you don't want to send an actual email. This is the way you can do that. Uh, we pray every day here at Dallas Church. You can remain anonymous. You can give us your name. You can ask that your prayers be said during our prayers on Sunday during the intercessions or they be said during our daily prayers. Uh, pray at DallasVLC.com or go to DallasVLC.com and click on prayer request. Compliments, concerns, suggestions, complaints. This is Don's favorite part of the program here. Compliments, concerns, suggestions, complaints. We like to like those. So send us an email at feedback at DallasVLC.com or simply again go to DallasVLC.com and click on contact us. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, oh boy.
And don't buy all the toilet paper. Why are we doing this too? Why are we talking about washing your hands all the time? Right. There's there's constantly new variants coming up with this with this uh, coronavirus. What happens, folks? I mean, if you aren't sitting here, look. We all get a vaccine, right? So then somebody out there didn't get a vaccine. They got sick. That that what they got now mutates and changes to something that our vaccine doesn't cover, and other people start getting sick again. They make another vaccine. Same thing. If we start washing our hands, we stop passing it on to other people, folks. You do everything with your hands, and we good and bad. Trust me. And and that's the easiest way for you to transmit any kind of disease: the common cold, the flu, uh, uh, COVID, any of it. Wash your hands anytime you eat, anytime you, you, you go into a house, anytime you pet the dog, anytime you wake up, anytime you go to the bathroom. Anytime you can, wash your hands and use hand sanitizer. It's very, very important. Go get your booster shots, folks. They're out now. The new boosters are out. Please go get your COVID booster shot so we can try and squash this thing, okay? Thank you. You can't make a difference. We are a church of all volunteers here at, at Dallas, Dallas Union's Life Church. Nobody makes a salary, not even me. Uh, the only way we make it is through... Uh, through uh, Ties from our community here and from donations from gracious people out there in the in podcast land and YouTube world, YouTubeville, wherever it is. So, uh, this, is, this is my worst part of my job, and I'm, I'm the worst at it, but uh, we can always use your help, and we need your help. It costs a lot of money to keep the church going, and um, to be very honest with you, it's been very difficult. There are lots of things going on that you can understand. We, we've been exposed many times. But we need your help to keep our doors open. Um, if you like what you're hearing here, you like this message of an all-inclusive God who is all-loving, all-forgiving, all-powerful uh, in, uh, in our lives, please consider making a donation to Dallas Realty Life Church so that we can continue to pass that message on to the world. Simply go to DallasRealty.com, click on Donate. Very simple. We're a 501c3 non-profit organization, which is tax-deductible for you, so your donations are tax-deductible. DallasRealty.com, click on Donate. Now, I get all the time, Bishop, I love the church, I really want to donate, I want to help, but I'm broke. What do I do? Well, guess what? I, you know, I tell them I'm broke, too. So what do you do? You do what we all do. You become a volunteer. Your time is your money. So go to AlexRealty.com, click on Volunteer, there you find a list of our volunteer positions available. If you don't like one there, okay, come on in. We've got plenty of work for you. AlexRealty.com, um, click on Volunteer. It's a great way to get to know uh, fellow congregants and whatever, you know, get a little more casual scene. It's also, if you're new, it's a great way to kind of get, get involved and, and meet new people. So check it out. AlexRealty.com. Trust me, there's plenty of work here. I'll, I'll find something for you to do. Okay. It's, it's it's almost as you can see some of the decorations are up we've got about uh, we got to the tree up and a few other things up um, we're working on it uh after thanksgiving it's, it's just kind of crazy around here we've got some of the stuff up some of the stuff in storage but we're not gonna get all here i appreciate all your help it's already almost time for christmas folks so i'm letting you know here secret santa is here sunday december 24th is going to be our our, our, our our christmas service okay uh the service will be at probably 5 30. Um, now, the names will be drawn uh, before service on December the 3rd. That gives you plenty of time to go get your, your gift if you want to do this. It's a $10 limit, okay? And the Secret Santa is, a, is uh, there's not, this is not a, it's not a white elephant, okay? This is a Secret Santa, there's a difference. White elephant's kind of a use that gag gift, okay? This is something you want to kind of think a little more thoughtful of. Yes, it's only $10, but try and be thoughtful of the person you're buying it for. This is completely voluntary. You do not have to participate in Secret Santa. But it's nice if you do, and we had a lot of fun with it, okay? All right. See me today to sign up 
Uh, at, we're going to have the round table today because obviously we're running late. But you need to do after service if you want to sign up for the uh, 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 Ticket Santa. Okay? And then on the 3rd, it's next week. Next week, we'll be drawing names. Okay? Thank you, Ben. Since the early days of the church, many believers have celebrated Advent and Christmas as two separate seasons. The first season is for preparing and expecting. At Advent, we look forward to not one, but two arrivals. First, we anticipate and long for the birth of Jesus, just as the Jewish people longed for the promised coming of the Messiah the king who would rescue them and return glory to Israel. Christmas, the end of the Advent season, is a celebration of that promise kept. The Messiah came, the Son of God sent first as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sin. But we wait still for him to come again, to return and make all things right, to take his place on the throne forever. At Advent, we prepare ourselves for that second arrival as well, with repentant hearts and joyful confidence that our God always keeps His promises. Come, our long-expected Savior. Why do we have that video? What's going on? When's it coming up? Next week is the beginning of Advent. I mean, it's four more weeks, basically four weeks till Christmas, right? Next week is the beginning of Advent. We have the four candles we'll talk about. We'll talk a little bit more about it next week. I want to kind of get you ready to get Advent's coming. Okay. Guess what? You made it. You made it through another lovely service here at Dallas Universal Life. Let us rise to our destiny.